as a short film. So welcome to the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema interview series. I'm your host, I'm John Fallon of the Indie Film NYC podcast. I'm here today with my co-host Craig. Thank you, John, and I'm Craig Horsley. From the, uh, we're coming to you from the Atiz Organic Coffee and Tea Cafe, and we're located on Metropolitan Avenue in Kew Gardens, and we have one of our filmmakers uh, to talk about his film right now. Hi, uh, my name is Vagabond. I'm very happy to be here, very happy to be at the festival, very happy to be hanging out with you guys and talking here. I'm the writer, producer, well, yeah, the producer, the director, not the writer, sorry, producer and director of Coney Island Dreaming, which is a short film, a nine-minute short film that played at the festival here. Great. So tell us a little bit about how uh, Coney Island Dreaming came together. and. Uh... Um, we started shooting Coney Island Dreaming in September, early September. Matter of fact, it was on my birthday that we started, and I thought, this is a good, this is a good thing to do on your birthday, September 6th, right? So I was like, let's start shooting. Um, I had bought a Red Epic camera, and for I had gotten it July 3rd, and for three weeks, I was like completely intimidated by this camera, because I was like, wow, I just mortgaged my life. Like, this is the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my entire life, and I was afraid to use it. And then, I, then it dawned on me, like three weeks in, I was like, wait a second, it's a camera, what do I need? I need to be in focus, I need an exposure, you know, I need like, an ISO. I mean, this is a camera. It's all it is. I've been taking pictures and making films for 20 years. Why am I afraid of this? So, um, I'm a big believer in the idea that there's too much planning involved in filmmaking. There's too much script writing. There's too much rewriting. There's too much storyboard. There's too many pre-production meetings. So, I go in the complete opposite direction. So, gathered up my friends we went out to Coney Island and we said well what are we doing I said I don't know we'll figure it out when we get there <laughs> and they're we've done I've done this a bunch of times so they they're used to it and then uh, my co-producer Omar he came with his daughter and they had on the way to the Coney Island they came up with this idea where it was about a little girl that comes to Coney Island and has a good time I said oh that sounds great um, so that's what we did. And then I added this very tragic ending that I don't want to give away because then, as Hilly Crystal from CBGB used to say, that you'd be giving up the farm. <laughs> so, but that's how the film came about. Okay, great. So that's amazing. So basically, you, your main star was just a, a child that would. Yeah, a she's, and she's also an, an amazingly talented kid. Um, she is part of the young composers at Lincoln Center, and she, compo and she wants to do film scores. And she, when, she, when we shot her, this was about two years ago, um, she had just gotten into it. But since then, she's actually um, written and conducted her own music at Carnegie Hall and in London through the, the young composers at Lincoln Center. So she's not just a great actress. I mean, she was really fantastic. Um, I had uh, quite a few people tell me, how'd you get that performance out of her? And I go, it's not that difficult if you do all the casting right. And right. <laughs> she knew what the deal was, you know? Like, her, my co-producer, um, Omar, 
fantastic photographer. You can catch him on, on Instagram at Lost Saint BKNY. And we've been making films together. I've known him for almost three decades. And so she's been around us right. watching us making films. And so it's not a foreign thing to her. So, but she was fantastic. I mean, her, her performance is so beautiful and subtle. It's, it was, I was flabbergasted by it. So uh, without kind of giving away the, the, the plot of the film, what are you hoping people are get, getting out of the film? What kind of themes are you guys exploring? There's a, there's a social message to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that it's so, it's so s- subtle. <laughs> I don't want to give away the ending. But I think that when people think of a, a particular problem and they think about people who have this particular problem that they automatically um, make assumptions about who those people are and how those people got to that problem. And what I wanted to do was say, no, these are people. They're regular people like anyone else. And they want to go to Coney Island and have a good time just like anybody else. And everybody has, you know, so like I say in the film, everybody has a Coney Island dream and everybody's Coney Island dream should be able to come true. And that's the thing that I love about Coney Island. Like, I was born in Brooklyn. I was raised in Queens. I went to school in Manhattan. Um, so I was, I was raised in three out of the five boroughs. Um, but I loved Coney Island. I've always loved Coney Island. There's something magical and beautiful and rough and ugly and broken and working about Coney Island that's just fantastic to me, you know? I worry about whether if it gets cleaned up and fixed up, It'll lose something. <laughs> kind of like Times Square. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely lost something in Times Square, you know? There's something fantastic about the New York that I grew up in as a kid mm-hmm. where everything was broken. Nothing worked, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't work, but it did work. Everything was broken. Nothing worked, really. But people found a way around it, and there was a certain creativity that lent itself to living in this city that is gone. And I don't know if it'll ever come back. So you've, you've taken this film kind of really around the world. I mean, you, you won a nice award in London for... Uh, best, best Human Rights Film. We just won a couple of days ago in London. And um, so people, I mean, people love New York. They're fascinated by New York. But nobody really understands New York the way New Yorkers do. You know, how are you kind of bringing that message? Like, what are you, what are you giving them? Well... It's funny because, like, I've shot in a lot of different places in New York City. And I have this, I've always had this affinity for things that are broken, things that are abandoned, things that people normally found useless and ugly. Um, I shot a film, an incomplete film. It was called Amor y Rabia, uh, about three uh, anarcho-punks who were going to start a revolution. And they lived inside the old Washburn wire factory. Now, the Washburn Wire Factory is on 116th Street and um, the FDR Drive. It was an old warehouse. We'd go in there and we'd shoot and uh, create scenes like these people were living there. Now it's a Target (laughs) and a Home Depot. Um, But people saw it and they said, oh, it's an eyesore. And what people saw as an eyesore, I saw as beautiful. You know, the way the light came into into the windows that were all blown out. Uh, the way the shadows played, the garbage that was piled up, the graffiti, the color from the graffiti from everybody going in there and doing pieces. I mean, you know, 
it's like my grandfather used to say, one man's garbage is another man's gold. So. But New York City was a lot of, like, for that for me. And I've shot a lot of places. We actually shot in Coney Island in 1997. We shot part for that same film. And you can see a, an old abandoned um, roller coaster. And a month afterwards, they just knocked the roller coaster down. So I have this talent for shooting in a place, and then some period of time passes, and it becomes completely destroyed. So, yeah. so you're almost a New York archivist. In, in a way, you know, it's like um, in that same film, we shot some stuff along the East River by 135th Street on the other east of the FDR. That's all been not, I don't know what was there. It was some sort of a structure, and there were big, huge rocks of broken concrete and stuff. It, it just looked fantastic to me, and, and that's what I was always attracted. I'm still attracted to that kind of stuff, abandoned places and, and things of that nature. It's wonderful that you started, uh, you were in LaGuardia High School. Yeah. And so now you've been filming and you're in a film festival in Queens. Yeah, so. it's, great. it's good to be here in a film festival in Queens. I'm like, I was uh, really excited about it, especially in this neighborhood. Because like I said, I used to go to the Midway and the Continental. Uh, and I used to sneak into, I would pay for one ticket figure out the timing so that there were two or three movies that I'd want to see and then I would sneak into the other theaters because you could only afford one ticket you'd get two movies so you know but the Midway was good for that a lot of times you know because they had four screens at the Midway so you could you could bounce pretty quick you know and they didn't have a lot of ushers back then there was just the one guy who ripped the ticket and now four four screens is a small theater now they're 16 and then I got to be a real like cinema snob like as I got older like I only wanted to go see films at the Ziegfeld or what was once the Lowe's Astor Plaza which was at at the time that I was a kid it was the largest movie theater in the city I think it was 1,200 seats. I think now it's the Hard Rock uh, Cafe or the Best Buy Theater, one or two. I don't know. <laughs> it could be both of those. <laughs> it could be. I think it is. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's both of those. Right? I think it's Nokia now. I think Nokia, Best yeah, Buy Best is no Buy, longer yeah, there. Right, so now right, it's the Nokia yeah. Theater. Yeah. It sold the name. <laughs> so, But yeah, I used to... I can... My whole life is movie theaters and movies. And now, and now you're screening at the uh, at the art house theater, the only standing art house I know, theater I, in I'm Queens. The, the funny part is that I always, whenever I heard Lafrette's Boulevard, I always thought Brooklyn. So I thought it was far. I didn't realize it was so close. <laughs> it's a great theater. It is a great yeah. theater, you know. And it, and the fact that it's the only art house theater left in Queens is like fantastic. And you it's know, a, it's a great place to see a film, and I mean, screen, screening these films all week this week has been just you know joy for us that we can help filmmakers see their films in the right way yeah uh, there and also at the queen's museum which i think right. is a place that's also underutilized you know um yeah. i think lately whoever's been doing stuff at the they've been a little bit more, more open like a few i think it was like two years ago or maybe a year ago they had a ramones exhibit at the queen's museum which is fantastic because they were literally from this neighborhood from forest hills so it just makes sense, yeah. you know. Um, and yeah. the fact that the men in black spaceships overlook the overlook the museum right, right. there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, the whole world is in Queens, isn't it? It is. <laughs> most diverse borough in the world. Well, I think Jackson Heights is the most diverse place on the planet. I think they speak 143 different languages in Jackson Just in Jackson Heights. Just in Jackson Heights. Like, they used to, you know what they used to say about Canal Street? If you can't find it on Canal Street, it can't be found. Mm-hmm. I think that if there's no language that's not spoken in Jackson Heights, it's right. just not spoken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a joy to have you here. I mean, uh, I mean, you're a true New Yorker. You've, you've got a lot of experience both in filmmaking and just being a New Yorker. And, uh, you know, we probably could talk for about 17 hours just yeah. about <laughs> some of the crazy stuff that maybe you don't necessarily want out there that you've done. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty open. I'm pretty open. <laughs> You know, New York uh, for me is like a um, New York City for me right now. It's like an ex-girlfriend, you know, like you promised that you were going to be true to each other and you were going to be bohemians for the rest of your life and you were going to starve and just do art. And then she broke up with me and she left me for some real estate developer. And then every once in a while I turn the corner and I go, where's CBGB's? And I go and she's standing there going, you know, right. And I'm sitting there going, Whole Foods, I used to park my car here. This was the cheapest parking lot on Houston Street. Now it's a Whole Foods. Exactly. You know? And I I feel like, you know, that uncomfortable feeling, you know, when you run into an ex-girlfriend at a party? Sure. It's that kind of thing. (laughs) It happens to be in New York City all the time. uh, I mean, it's it's funny that Hell's Kitchen is now called HK. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. They're trying to call Spanish Harlem Spaha. When I was a kid, it was El Barrio. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, you know? The other thing, too, is that I grew up in an era, and I tell people this all the time. It's really strange, but when I grew up as a kid, you just couldn't walk into anybody's neighborhood. Like, you really couldn't. Right. You know? Um, you could... I remember going to Washington Heights, because I went to school in Manhattan to LaGuardia. At the time, I was going to music and art, and my girlfriend lived in Washington Heights. So I went to go visit her on a Saturday, and I came out the subway and this guy was like yo who was you and i was like what he's like who was you i said what you doing here and i was like uh i said i'm visiting my girlfriend who's your girlfriend jenny rivera where does she live 178 between fort washington and broadway what building <laughs> what floor and then i go down the block and some other guy would come out of the store and be like who is you and the other guy would look down he's all right i already checked him out <laughs> people think that's like some sort of like mythology no, that yeah. stuff really happened and yeah. you couldn't I mean, there are sad stories of people dying for being in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time right you know yeah but it's changed a lot new york yeah. is uh, not definitely all, not uh, all for the better but <laughs> it's changed a lot <laughs> well at least we're not getting beat up on random blocks but uh yeah you know the filmmaking's not quite as rich sometimes no it's not um but we're, we're working on that great well uh we hope to see more work from you and uh you know, I'd be interested to see some of the, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the old stuff you've got just laying around on film that yeah. just doesn't exist anymore. And no. Then, you know, and be- some of that stuff is on film film, like 16 oh. that we shot on Bolex. <laughs> wow. That'd be great to see some of that come out of the shadows. Yeah. And uh, I know that you're... Uh, I have actually one of the films that we shot on 16 is playing uh, two weeks from now, or actually in September in Newark at the Newark International Film Festival, a film called No Way Home that we shot in Brooklyn and in the desert. Well, thanks for uh, being part of the inaugural year of the Q yeah. Gardens Festival. This so was well. fantastic. This Thank was you a so lot much. Of fun. Thank Good. you guys for having me. All right. You know, All right. Take it easy. Bye.